This episode is brought to you by Habit Aware. What better way to start 2024 than by bringing awareness to your BFRB? My Keen 2 brings awareness to my trichotillomania by giving my wrist a gentle hug or vibration when I'm doing the scanning behavior. Bring awareness into your life by visiting barbaralley.com slash habitaware and use code LALLYLOVE for 10% off the replacement training bundle. Hi, my name's Jesse, or I go by Jessica Masser. A little bit about my BFRB. I started when I was about 12 years old, started picking in my eyelashes, then it went to my eyebrows. Honestly, never touched my head hair until I was in my, gosh, I want to say 30s, mid 30s. I was going through really traumatic stuff with my grandmother. I was taking care of her with Alzheimer's dementia. So I think the stress just overload just started going up and started doing that. But, you know, I picked up my, when I was a kid, you know, I'd pick up my um, arm hairs, leg hairs, pretty much anything I could get my little hands on. And then I was always a nail biter. So started nail biting as, as early as I can remember, just kind of my way of coping through things, you know, excitement, anxiety, whatever you want to call it. That's what, you know, happened with me. So, but yeah, I've been doing pretty well with the, the hair picking and everything. It's at a, it's at a lull, I call it. So it's, um, it comes every once in a while and I'll just, I just know to pull my hair back or pin it up or, you know, do things to try to, you know, alleviate the urge to pick. So, but I've been doing it a long time. I feel like I'm a professional, professional hair picker, like most of us. So when did you find out the name for trichotillomania? Gosh, you know, I have to think about that. I want to say my mom, you know, shuttled me to every doctor under the sun. You know, we went to a primary doctor. I'm not sure if they gave the name then. It was probably within a year or two, you know, I knew what it was called, but didn't really know much about it. You know, um, we went to psychiatrists, psychologists, you name it. We grew up outside the DC Washington area. Yeah, I think I found the term. I just didn't know anyone else that had it. You know, they said it was like rare and, you know, just don't do it. It could leave. I remember being in the doctor's office when I think they told me what I had and they said, oh, it can make your eye get red. So the doctor was trying to deter me from picking my eyelashes because it could get red and inflamed. And I thought, what? You know, it never did. (laughs) To this day, it's never done that. So I think he was just trying to, it was just early on, you know, you figure it was in the early 90s, late 80s. So they didn't know too much back then. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the advice was like, you don't want to do this. Stop it. Like, it's going to make you ugly. Like, that was something that I heard all the time. And I look back and I'm like, that wasn't really helpful at all. No, definitely not. It was not helpful at all. (laughs) And then I ended up, you know, later on in life, you know, was a model for about 10, 15 years. So I was able to disguise it in ways where I, you know, I had microblading done, I would use false lashes, you know, I would, you know, makeup and, you know, I never picked my hair during that time. So no one really knew, you know, I was good at disguising and, but yeah, it's, it's funny when people first found out, like, what are you doing? You're going to, you know, what are you doing to yourself? You're disfiguring yourself. And it's like, if I didn't want it, you know what I mean? If I could stop, I would, you know, I'm a perfectionist by nature, but 
It just wasn't that easy. When you were modeling, do you have a memory of a time where you pulled a lot and you kind of panicked like, oh, this is going to be hard to cover up? I can't really remember a time, honestly. You know, I think I was okay because I wasn't doing my head hair and then my eyebrows had been tattooed on essentially. So, and then, you know, I was open with the makeup artist, you know, because the makeup artists see everything, you know, and there's your, your right-hand man, I call him. But I had told her, oh yeah, you know, I do pick it, my lashes. I don't know if I ever told her the term, but, you know, I have a BFRB and I do pick when I'm stressed. Oh, okay. What's okay. I've seen that before. And don't worry, we're going to put them on, you know, and sometimes I could put the lashes on better than them <laughs> and they were professionals. So I was pretty, pretty good at hiding it. Talk to me about the decision to get microblading. Ooh, um, it was just really exciting. Um, oh, before we were having to pencil in back in the day. And I remember thinking of how traumatic it was as a kid because I would pencil in my eyebrows and then I would maybe like I'll try to avoid the water. And, you know, I love to swim. I love to go to the beach, all that. And we would go on family vacations with people my own age and I would be panicked, you know, I would have my makeup with me all the time, because when I came out of the water, I was like, <gasps> I immediately had to run to the bathroom to fix my, to, you know, quote, fix my eyebrows, or lack thereof. And um, <laughs> it was just really funny. Um, and then someone was like, they started talking about, oh, you can do tattooing. I'm like, tattooing? Really? You know, so it really just drew me in. So I remember going back in the day and getting them, you know, tattooed. And then that, of course, that faded because you know the sun and everything I lived in Florida and it was it was thinner back then and then they started then someone had told me about microblading and it was finding the right person because I, I am really picky and you know being a model and you want them to look natural and real and not anything poorly done so I found a girl in North Carolina and she does an amazing job I mean when she pulled back I was like Oh my gosh. I mean, she just the intricacy of the hair. And I've talked to women, you know, and girls about, you know, really doing that because it really boosts your self-confidence. You don't have to worry about them wiping off, washing off, or you could be with a boyfriend or you know, intimate and you're fine. You know, you're fine in any, any circumstance of your life. So it was the best money I ever spent. <laughs> I think it was like $300 and it was worth every penny. When you first started pulling from your scalp, do you remember the moment that you started by any chance? I do remember like walking on the dark side for a while. Like I had long hair like this, um, it was shoulder length hair. And I remember being up at my desk and I, I had a stressful job, a, a, a job I really didn't care for at the time. And um, I'm no longer with them anymore, but I would kind of twist my hair, you know what I mean? And sometimes I would, you know, I would snip the dead ends off of it. So that was something I did for a while. And then once, then I started to kind of pull it, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And my hair was always my favorite feature. You know, I loved my hair. I loved my, the blonde hair, the, you know, went with my blue eyes, my mom said. And, and it was really devastating when I started doing it because I just started doing it. And I, I ended up picking so much so fast that about six months later I was bald practically bald like it was pretty bad it was it was bad 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 I had to shave my hair shave my head essentially and had to keep shaving it because I just I would think I would get it get a grip of it and then it would just relapse or whatever you want to call it 
So it was really traumatic for me. I was, I was very upset about losing my hair. And then I did work it into, I was boxing at the time. So I ended up coloring it really light and, you know, rock, rock it into like a faux hawk. And <laughs> I made it look like I did it on purpose because of the modeling stuff. People didn't think anything of it. You know, they were like, oh, okay, well, she's got short hair. Okay, cool. So I just made it work. But deep down, it was really upsetting, especially when I was like, what the world, you know, I thought I would, you know, I wouldn't have never picked my hair. And now I crossed that line. Definitely. For me, I would, I only really pick from one spot kind of over and over and over again. But something that really stood out to me was when trichotillomania is like showing itself, like really on there. I'm, I usually pull one hair at a time, but at that point, I'm like twisting three or four around my finger and pulling. Did you find that during that time that you were pulling more than one at a time? Yeah. And it was aggressive, you know, and I would always pick and then look at it. You know, I was obsessed with looking at it, but yeah, sometimes I would just grab, you know, when I knew that the picking was really out of hand, grab multiple pairs, you know what I mean? And just yank them out, you know, sometimes normally just trying to get one at a time, but I know when it gets aggressive, you know, even now it's, if I grab two or three, it's like, Whoa, got to pump the brakes. Something's off. And I primarily would pick from my right side, which is what I, when I was talking to people at the last BFRB conference, it was funny because I'm left-handed, but the most I would pick is on the right side. I am the opposite of you. I'm right-handed and I pick with my left hand. That's my dominant pulling hand. Yep, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, what is with us? I don't know. So tell me about your involvement with the BFRB conferences was the BFRB change makers. That was not your first conference, right? It wasn't. Yeah. I want to say I've been going, I want to say about, I've been to, I guess, five things. I've been to three retreats, probably three conferences as well. So I found those in my, when I started picking my head hair. I'm not even sure how I found them, but I had, I'd gone to like a trick, you know, like the TLC conference. And then I saw Christina and she had something about her retreats and those were life changing, you know, just so amazing. And I was picking my head hair then and, and my mom and everyone was like, you need to go, you know what I mean? You've got to go. And even the time, you know, this most recent one, you know. I thought, I don't know if I have the money. I don't know if I can do it. And just like, well, we got to figure it out because you need to go. And it really sets me back on the right path. You know, whether I start to relapse a little or regress a little, it's being around like-minded people and, you know, women primarily, it's really nice to know that I'm not alone. There's other people out here that do it. I'm not weird. You know, it's just something that's part of me, but I have loved every, every bit of it. I love going to the conferences because I'll go back and tell my psychiatrist things or my psychologist things. And I'm very open, like even in my career, you know, I'm big on mental health advocate. I'm a big mental health advocate and I'm, I'm proud to say, yes, I have this, you know, I have OCD because I know a lot of people don't typically, I mean, some people have trick, trick and OCD, but I do have trick and OCD. I'm very open with, you know, what I have and how to fix it. And, and I get help, you know, I read self-help books. I go, you know, I have a counselor, I have a psychiatrist, I take medicine if I have to, but um, I'm, I'm my own best advocate. And that's why I always try to, you know, let other women and, and kids know that, we have to be our own advocate because a lot of times they don't know what they're doing. You know, it's nothing, it's nothing against the doctors, but you know, I went to so many doctors for 
20 years and they were just like, here, try a fidget, try this silly potty, try this. And it's like, that's not the answer all the time. I mean, that's part of the answer, but we got to get to the core of why are we doing what we're doing? For me, it was like had to end a traumatic or stressful, you know, relationship, change careers. I have to eat right. I have to get enough sleep. I limit my sugars, all kinds of stuff. Exercise is really big for me. I work out five days a week and I swear by it. I have to go. And I feel if I don't work out, that's when I'm more easily triggered. And then my hair will just be, (laughs) have a pile of hair after that if I don't go. I think one of the best parts about kind of facing your BFRB is that you start to notice things about it. Before, most of my life, I was like, get away. I don't want to think about you. I hate you. I'm not thinking about you at all. And then I would pull like crazy and be like, why? But now as an adult, I've noticed, okay, well, I'll if I go here, I'm probably going to pull a lot. So uh, let me prepare myself. Do you have locations or places that you know, like, okay, if I sit in this chair, I might be pulling because the armrest is perfect. Yeah, I think for me is in the car. The car is the trigger. I know when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I would sit in on the arm and I would I would just start feeling, you know, that was dangerous, you know, feeling my eyebrows, eyelashes, things like that. So, you know, I do believe in a lot of barriers. So I wear, if I think I'm going to be triggered by a situation, maybe a group of people, maybe it's who knows what it is. I, I definitely put on my fake eyelashes and add them over top my other lashes um, and that'll protect me because that way when I go to do that, it's like, oh, hold on. I, you know, I just don't even have the urge to. And then for me, work can be a trigger. So I've started just pinning my hair up, you know, in a ponytail. I'll wear like a hat, you know, with our company logo on it, but definitely driving in cars. Like if I'm taking a long like distance drive, I always have a hat on or next to me. I might put it next to me, but I normally I'm If I'm smart, (laughs) I'll actually put it on because, you know, that's the thing. It's like, it's okay to to rely on your tools, I feel, because otherwise, if we if if we get to that point where we're already so stressed out, we're probably going to say the heck with it and just pick anyway. And who I don't want to do the energy of putting the hat on. So at least if I, you know, pull my hair up, wear a really cute hat that matches my clothes and outfit, then I'm I'm good, you know, and then I'm, I'm good for the car just because. I do get triggered in the car. I was in a couple accidents and I have a lot of anxiety driving. So that's one, you know, watching a movie at home, you know, things like that. I could sit there and pick. So I've got my little errands thinking putty and things like that, that I can play with or other fidgets. Did you have any tools that you used when you were younger that you use again or continue to use now into adulthood? I would guess just the silly putty, but now it's just, you know, different versions of it. I still like those little poppet things or one of the girls has this little cherry poppet thing, which is amazing. And I keep losing the thing. I need like a, I need stock in it because I I love that thing. But I mean, when I was a kid, we really didn't have too many fidgets. It was just that putty or I don't know, little things, you know, but I guess I use more barriers than anything. And then I just kind of move my fingers in a different way that I'm not picking at my nails, but I'm kind of like running them back and forth. I also added like a little, a fidget spinner after the last conference and that works. It has these three little beads that you can spin back and forth. So I'll do that. But I don't, yeah, other than the silly putty, that's probably the only thing I had as a kid because the other stuff just didn't, 
like the koosh ball that didn't work <laughs> I was just I, I don't know maybe if I found it it might work but just didn't do anything for me did you know habit aware also offers virtual peer coaching this one-to-one peer-based program will coach you through shifting mindset practicing healthy strategies and creating your personal roadmap to recovery to work with me Ellen or Anila head over to habitaware.com slash coaching today. Do you have the same rituals for the hair when you pull from your scalp versus your eyelashes or are there different rituals with it? That's a good question. There can be, I know with my scalp, for example, I will feel for a more coarse hair, which is what I do for lashes or eyebrows. And then I'll just kind of run my fingers down it and then tug it, you know, if I need to. Lashes, same thing. I look for like the pokey ones or the eyebrows, the pokey. And then I can either do it with my fingers or if it's really bothersome, then I might get the tweezers out if it's in a spot that I think it really should come out, quote, should. But yeah, and then I do look at it. So yeah, they're pretty similar. I always have to look at the lash, you know, or the hair. It's like, I want to know, is there a root on it? You know, I just have to know, or I feel it. If I can't look at it, I'll feel it. But I've been driving. I know I shouldn't even admit this, but I'll turn the light on just, just so I can see, like, does it have that? You know, did I get a good one? Can I stop now? Or am I still searching for the, the perfect hair? Do you do anything around the lips, like rub it through the lips or anything? No, it's, it's really in my brain. Like, I would love to try, but then I feel like, oh no, then I would, I might get attached to that. So I just resist that. I've resisted it the whole time. So I'm just scared to even do that. I'm just scared. I know there is some, a part of me that is always curious, like, oh, I wonder what it would be. But then I think I would take things to the extreme, like my hair picking, going from no picking to bald in six months. I just afraid that maybe I shouldn't even try that. When you were shaving your head, how often did you have to shave it until you were able to kind of grow it long again? Yeah, that's a good question. I want to say I shaved it for probably, I'd have to look at a calendar, you know, six months or a year and then had grown it out and then was in a just really stressful environment, working two jobs, nothing that I should be doing and no one should be doing with a BFRB. Um, Because sleep is so correlated to our picking. So I was just so stressed. So I ended up shaving half of it. I ended up kind of did a short haircut on one side and left it long on the other. It reminded me of the Hunger Games. (laughs) I made it stylish. And then it got so bad that I had to cut it all off. I didn't shave it again, but we did cut it down. And then I was really stressed out for probably six months or so of keeping it really, really, really short. And then I ended up moving to North Carolina with my parents. And that actually ended up being a good thing. You know, I hadn't lived with them since I was 17 and gone to college. So it was kind of funny, but they were around me all the time. And it wasn't around me in a bad way where you're, feel like you're in trouble if you start to pick, because that just makes us pick more like we know. But I was around people the whole time that my hair was just shorter and I just started letting it grow out. And then again, here comes the modifications, um, the barriers. I had a friend that was doing my hair and she knew about my BFRB. And um, I asked her, you know, hey, how long would it have to be to do hair extensions? So that started to be my little goal. You know, let's grow my hair out to do the hair extensions. And did I pick every once in a while? Sure. Like, you know, here or I know I picked like a little bit on the side, like, you know, is my favorite, 
that ended up working out great. She was able to put the extensions and I didn't want to pick them because they, one, they were really expensive. And two, it made me realize like, Ooh, you know what I mean? And I've even thought about my next barrier. I'm super excited and I'll let you know if it works, but they have something that's called like fairy hair. Have you heard of that? Literally. Yeah. So they put a couple pieces throughout your hair, maybe like 10 strands. It's not a lot. But I thought, oh, you know, maybe if I put, you know, two back where my trigger area is, where, where it's all growing, and on the side, it might just bring awareness to the picking. Is if I want to pick, then at least I'll have that little fairy tinsel I just touch and then go, oh, yeah, I don't need to touch anymore. You are positive about finding new things and trying new barriers. Have you always been that way? Or is this something that like over time? Yeah, I think over time, it's, you know, you get more accepting. I think when I was younger, I just kind of got a little depressed about it. Like, oh, you know what I mean? I've got this. I'm always going to have it. Kind of like you were saying earlier, like the darn BFRP or however we worded it. But, you know, you just, it was your enemy, you know, but now I see it more as a friend and maybe it's through talking with Christina Piercing the last 10 years and just knowing that, Hey, you know, it's kind of like your check engine light was on. So for me, it's just discovering what's, what's wrong in my life. What's, what's amiss. So I am more positive and, you know, I am always kind of looking for new ways to, to improve, you know, and to help others. I know I want to start a support group soon and, I want to be the best version of myself for even that, you know, it doesn't mean I'm not perfect all the time because we all have our lapses and everything, but it sounds silly, but, you know, I guess being a model for so long, it's, I like to look my best and feel my best. And I just, I just don't want to have the bald spots anymore, you know? So I'm thinking, I I'll I'll try it. (laughs) What's going to hurt. It might not do anything, but then again, it might just like the hair extensions. And then the lashes, I grew my lashes out for the first time. Oh gosh, I guess it was three years ago. Um, I started doing lash extensions. So I grew them out. I just kept wearing the fake lashes every day, all day, every day. I mean, I kept those things on and then they started doing the fake lashes. I ended up getting a, a, allergic to the glue, I, oddly. So I couldn't do it any longer, but it was so cool because I thought for the first time, and I'm almost 41, since you figure I'd been picking since I was 12. So you're talking a long time. I had lashes. You mentioned earlier that your trichotillomania will go in waves. You know, you're in a lull right now. Have you noticed a pattern? I know a lot of it can be hormonally. Definitely if we have bigger stressors in our life, that for me is definitely one. But hormonally, it will be like if it's right before your cycle, your period. For me, that's when I want to pick. So that's what I noticed. I was doing some hormone treatments this last couple of months. And I think that's why I was picking. I started picking at my head hair again when I had grown out, just picking back of this one spot. But yeah, I think it's really, it's correlated to hormones for me. So you have an adorable pet bird, Snickers. (laughs) Has Snickers just having him around helped you with your BFRB at all? He has, you know, that's funny. I have Snickers and I'll have to show a picture of him later. I know you saw him just vaguely. Um, Snickers actually has a BFRB. He does pluck his feathers. Oh, there he is chirping. So that's pretty fascinating. I rescued him. I volunteered at a, a Florida parrot rescue for about 10 years and fell in love with this bird. And, they, and the, it was so funny. One time I brought him to the vet's office and they, and I was like, you know, what can we do? Is there anything else we can do? And he's, he sat me down. He's like, don't worry. He's happy. He's healthy. It's just something he does. 
And it cracked me up because the whole time he's educating me on this bird with trichotillomania, you know, and saying it's his hormones, it's this. And I'm thinking, I have what he has. So I ended up knowing the vet through the rescue and I ended up telling him, I was like, I have what he has, but he couldn't tell because my hair was all grown in and everything. So it was really funny, but I thought if everyone could be like this vet and just teach us like, Hey, it's okay. Sometimes we're going to pick. Sometimes we pick when we're happy. Sometimes we pick when we're sad. Sometimes we pick when we're excited. And that's just part of our nature. But he helps me because he is, does not like fingers. I know it sounds funny. So he'll sit, he'll perch on my shoulder. And if I were to, you know, year before when I wanted to pick at my eyelashes or eyebrows, he would kind of go at me like he was going to peck me. So um, he does. <laughs> And, you know, he's on a medicine every day now, like a supplement. We, I give him a supplement. I do this. I give him different foraging toys. So it's kind of like you and I, we have our own things. And then for Snickers, I do similar, similar things for him. So, we, you know, he does that. And then the funny thing is then I have a dog, Red, Ella Red, and she's a shepherd lab. And she has like an OCD, you know, thing. But anyway, I thought, what are the odds? You know what I mean? My last dog bitter, bitter nails every once in a while. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're all like picking and biting and ay, ay, ay. It's funny. I love that. I love that the, the vet, what he said, that is so nice. I do wish that any of us would have heard that when we first started. Oh gosh, any of us, you know, because so many times they don't know what they're saying or I was at the dermatologist, I swear it was a year or two ago. And I said, Oh, yeah, I might have a little bit of a thin spot, you know, because I have trichotillomania. Oh, what's that? I was like, why are you <laughs> in your field? She wasn't the doctor, she was like a nurse. But still, I just thought, how do you not know what that is? And you're working in a dermatologist office. So um, it's really shocking to me. Because I thought if they don't know it, then how are they going to alert the parents that hey, this is what your child probably has? What advice would you give someone who wants to start sharing about their BFRB? I would suggest that they find someone that they can be their authentic self with, whether it's family or sometimes it's not your family, but whether it's family, it's a best friend, it's a teacher, it's a mentor, it's a grandparent, someone that's not going to judge you and just be honest of, hey, this is what I have, or this is what I think I have. Can you help me find out more about it? Um, and even if it's reaching out to you know, someone like myself, you know, I'm always happy to talk to someone about their BFRB and let them know they're not alone. And then just seeking if they, because I do believe in mental health, like we were talking about earlier, whether they could have a counselor or, you know, someone they could just talk to a support group that way they could, they could come out and be honest about everything. Cause I think the shame, the shame aspect is so powerful, it's just damaging if we hide it from our mom or dad or siblings or our grandparent or someone that doesn't want to accept what we have, that's can be really, really detrimental, I feel. So if they don't have a safe space, I would say find someone that they can be safe with and, and share it because some people that can be nasty about it and mean and why can't you stop? It's you're destroying yourself, you're disfiguring yourself or whatever people say is not healthy. So I think they just need to make sure they have someone that they can be safe with and then and then the more they share it then when they ground themselves then I think it's great to share it with others as many times as you can um, and just get the word out there what is something you would like to say to the listeners 
Well, I guess if you have this, I'm super, not, I wouldn't say I'm super excited, but I'm super excited that you're listening. There's always hope. And what I've found in the 41 years I've been here and you figure I've been doing this 30 years of my life, there's just getting more and more research all the time and what can help us and what hurts us. And I believe strongly that even if you're younger, you're older than me or my age, that there's, there is hope for us. Sometimes it's acceptance and then we accept what we have and then we can start to heal. I think if we continue to hide what we have, it's just going to rear its, its head later on and it's going to make us pick and bite and pull more. So I think just keep surround yourself with positive people, have a positive outlook, have a positive life, try to avoid triggers, figure out what is your trigger. If you know what's being with a certain family member or a certain person in your life, you know, maybe you need to limit that time. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't still be friends with them, but it's just being safe and then just honoring your body, listening to your body, listening to what your, your mind and your BFRB is telling you, you know, a lot of times it's telling us to rest, sit down, slow down, all that. Or may, it might be to say, we've got to start exercising. We've got to do that. But, but really just doing that. But yeah, I'm super excited they are listening and that you're not alone. Because that was something when I was a kid, we didn't have the internet. You know, we didn't have all these ways to get outreach. And I literally thought I was like the only person in America with this. I mean, it's, it's laughable now, but it's not. I remember meeting the first time meeting people going, oh my gosh, there's other people like me. And it's that sense of community that you feel. And there's so many ways to get to get help, no matter if you have no hair, no eyelashes, no eyebrows. I've been there. I have been at the, the lowest part of my life. I've not had a single hair on me, but it's possible. You know, my hair's grown in, my lashes, my eyebrows. Recovery looks different for everyone, but just don't beat yourself up. It's not worth it. I'm just going to hurt you in the end. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Trick Talks. Did you know that I offer a Trichotillomania online course? My course is called Sharing Our Stories. As a gift to you, please use promo code TRICKTALKS25 to receive 25% off the five-session package. You can access this promotion at barbaralelli.com. Thank you.